Welcome to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Wayne Kimmel, and I'm your host and managing partner at 76 Capital as well. And we have a great show today, really special guest. And as you know, on our 76 Capital Leadership Series, we bring on sports executives, athletes, entrepreneurs who are truly doing the next, next thing in the sports industry. And that's why this show is so much fun for us to do. You can follow me at Wayne Kimmel across all the social media networks out there, as well as our producer, James. He's at James Santor on Twitter. And you can follow all the things that we do at 76 Capital, you know, with all the entrepreneurs and all the companies that we invest in from a sports tech perspective, an esports perspective, and of course, sports betting, which we're going to get into a lot today on our show today. But if you're one of those entrepreneurs that's doing something that's the next, next thing, and you are really, truly trying to move this sports industry forward. We want to talk with you. We want to hear from you. And hopefully we have an opportunity to work together and partner with us at 76 Capital and our whole team here. RushorderTees.com has been Philadelphia's number one customer apparel company since 2002. Whether you need one or a thousand shirts, Rush Order Tees can handle any order on any deadline. Start designing online today in their online design studio or give them a call at 1-800-620-1233. That's RushOrderTees.com, Philadelphia's home for custom apparel. So let's get going here with our show today. As I said, we have a really special guest, my friend Bill Crack Krakenberger. I mean, it is he is a guy who's not only a professional sports player, he runs Crack Wins. He's a frequent guest on VEASAN's show, Beating the Book with Gil Alexander. He's on the Adam Lefko show and was, many of you know him from the, the Showtime show action. He was one of the stars of that show. And, and again, just a great friend and someone we love to watch and listen to. Bill, welcome to our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Thanks for having me on, Wayne. And let me tell you, the feeling is mutual. Uh, I know we don't get to see and talk to each other too much, but it, it really is an honor for that you picked me to be on a show like this. I think of myself, you know, being the person I am and how I grew up, and and uh, it, it's amazing I'm on a show like this with you. So thank you. Well, it's it's really great to have you, and I'm excited to to talk with you about all things sports betting. Um, you know, as as I, I love to hear you say, this is this is not a new thing, but it's a it's a new legal thing outside of the state of Nevada, all across the country. And you know, maybe could be a, a great way to start our show. And what we typically do on our seventy six Capital Leadership Series is really wanting to hear the backstory of our guest. And I know you have a great, colorful story uh, with some mentors that you had in, in the in the past, and kind of you know, where did you grow up and and then share all that with 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 our listeners and, and viewers. Sure. And saying what you said at the beginning when I came on and said that, what I meant was the way I grew up. I mean, I grew up in a real fast-talking, uh, fast-paced East Coast uh, Italian Jewish neighborhood. Uh, sports betting was in our culture, in our blood, but it was kind of taboo. I mean, nobody wins, so it was kind of something that you know uh, it was almost shunned upon. And here we are in 2021, where uh, half the country has legal legalized sports betting now. There's sports betting shows everywhere billboards everywhere all over uh these jurisdictions and to think how open it is and stuff and that i can actually make my my living 
uh, the way I do now and, and able to just talk about it openly on a show like this and this leadership series, it, it, again, it, it is on an honor. So let me tell you, I'm a kid. I'm growing up on the Jersey Shore boardwalk of Kingsburg, New Jersey, a little poor, a middle class at best, um, blue collar town. Now, listen, I loved it. Thank God this happened to me because I would never have it any other way. Very loyal town. All Everyone knew each other. All friends. Happy. Uh, Happy-go-lucky town. Uh, listen, we like to party a little bit, even though I didn't. But, uh, you know, you like to party a little bit, have a little fun. But there was always gambling every weekend. I'm working on that boardwalk since I'm nine years old. Just a little tiny one-mile square town. 35 bars in this town, by the way. Just a little one-mile square town. And that boardwalk, I used to come every weekend and, and work uh, the boardwalk. I actually wind up moving to Kingsburg and living uh, just, you know, 10 blocks from the, from the beach and boardwalk. And every single weekend from nine years old, I worked on my aunt and uncle's pizza stand. And still to this day, 54 years later, my, my cousin, their son, has that business now. Four months out of the year on the boardwalk. I still go back there from time to time. And uh, that, so that's how I started off. Wait, what's it called? What's it called, Bill? Uh, Kingsburg Amusement Park. The pizza villa, the pizza place is called Pizza Villa. It's still there on the boardwalk. And let me just tell you. When the lights went off, when the boardwalk closes down at 12 o'clock, what happens? Gambling time. I'm nine years old, and I'm actually being uh, shown from my cousin and my uncles, my old, my Italian uncles. I'm shown what real, the real gambling is at nighttime. They had games of chance where you had uh, stands with wheels, where if the wheel st stops on a certain number or whatever you play, you win a box of candy, you win a toy, you win a whatever it may be. They used to have cigarette wheels with cartons of cigarettes. You win a carton of cigarettes. That's the time we were in back then in the 80s. So um, at nighttime, those wheels became games from games of chance to games of gambling. So they actually have gambling on those wheels with real money. There was a, uh, what they call it, a skillo parlor, which was which is, it's actually a, a turns into a, a betting parlor at nighttime. So at nighttime, instead of playing for the for the for the, the stuffed animals and stuff there, it's all for all for cash. So listen, uh, of course it was illegal, but no, who's going to stop it? It's just it is what it, you know, it was what it is. This this is actually this is actually back in the little late 70s. So you have to think Atlantic City was just thought of. And uh, so for years, that's kind of how I grew up every weekend being on the boardwalk, learning gambling and being the loser. I was a stone cold loser. Um, until my cousin, when I got a little bit older, uh, showed me blackjack, head-to-head -head blackjack, counting back a head-to-head -head blackjack deck and showing me how just simply keeping track of the four aces in the deck, you can actually have an edge because you're dealing it to the bottom uh, of the deck. There was no cut card or anything. You're playing head-to-head -head on the boardwalk. Uh, he showed me how you can have a little bit of an edge by keeping track of aces and high cards. This is Literally, I'm a kid. I'm 10, 12, 13 years old learning about card counting and also learning about like AC Ducey. There was a cold game called AC Ducey where at nighttime on the picnic benches right outside the pizza stand. Boy, he might get mad. He hears me talk about this. Right, that, that was then. This is now. We got a, there's a long time in between here. But those benches at nighttime, all the workers from the other stands and the amusement park and the restaurants and stuff used to come there. We used to play AC Ducey. What that means is you put two cards down. If the first card is an ace, it's a high card. A deuce is a low card. You can bet an amount up to the pot, what's in the pot, uh, that the card will be in between. Most people know what AC Ducey is that's listening, so they'll understand. But my cousin, Fordham grad, very smart person, he told me and taught me the probabilities of each card coming out 
I'm literally, again, 12 years old, the percentage of what you should bet. You tried to explain it to me. So from a young age, I learned what was right and wrong uh, from a young age on that boardwalk. I also learned from a, from a young age what sectioning a wheel was. Now, what sectioning a wheel was, let's, let's look at a roulette table. So you have a roulette table, and you have uh, you know all the numbers on the table, 35 or 36, because 36 numbers on roulette. I don't play the game because it's 5.5% house edge. So, but, so uh, however, on the boardwalk, they had the wheels, and the same thing, you could section a wheel. He taught me how to, because of course the player stops the wheel. They press a button to slow the wheel down. So he showed me about that. He was very, very sharp, my cousin Anthony. He still is to this day. Multimillionaire, by the way. From that pizza stand, he invested his money into real estate. Today, he's a, I don't want to say slumlord, but uh, he is. He's got tons of properties, multimillionaire, genius, very smart kid. But he's the one that, 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 that taught me everything like that. But going back. Now, let's go back a little bit. Now, I have ADD, so I'm always running around my brain. Don't worry, I'm a scatterbrain, but I got to everything. So let me tell you, though, growing up where I grew up, even with my mom, my mom's family being Italian, every night on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they played cards. The men played Pinochle. My father and, 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 my, and my mother's brothers and brother-in-laws and stepbrothers, they all played Pinochle together, and the females would play Continental, Bridge, Canasta, one of those games, but always for money. Listen. Like my mother used to say, we don't play for cutthroat money. We play for pennies and nickels when the men used to play for dollars. And you have to understand that. So my, my mother always said that was cutthroat sometimes the way they, they play too high. So anyway, I grew up saying, Mom, Dad, can I watch? Can I stay? This is when I'm literally seven, six, seven, eight years old just to stay up late. And I used to make an excuse and say, I want to stay up and watch the honeymooners at 1130. But I was actually watching them play cards also. So. Um, it was like a rite of passage in my family, and not only my family. I'm not trying to say we were all degenerate gamblers. This was in the, the neighborhood. We grew up, you know, listen, the Bronx, that's where we're from. The Bronx, you can't help it. It's a fast-paced town. There's only so many blocks there that, that are, uh, you know, this, this same kind of a uh, families grew up together gambling. That's the way it was. You went to the racetracks. You went to the Yonkers. You went to Roosevelt. You went to the, you know, the, the underground after-hour joints, they're called. They're still around, but not like it used to be. This is this is before Atlantic City even. So you had you can go into Manhattan or the Bronx, and you had crap games, you had blackjack games, you had even the church, the church. That's right, the church used to have blackjack outside in the summer. I mean, it, it, it's just amazing. As long as I got the little taste and a little piece, and you know, of course, you know who ran the game, but uh, the, the church, the church always got their little taste. They had to get a wet their beak, as as it will be known. So. Um, that's the area I grew up in. That's the stuff I did when I was younger. It's amazing, Wayne. It's amazing that I got out of that little thing because I'll tell you, it's hard once you have that in your brain. If it wasn't for my cousin, probably, which I never properly thanked him probably for, if it wasn't for him showing me some advantage gambling, I might not be the person I was today. And I really, to be real blunt, I don't think I've ever said that on any show I've done. So you got that out of me. Well, that's that's amazing. And that's and that's 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 hopefully, you know, what we get to do on all of our 76 Capital Leadership Series. And Bill, we're really excited to have you on the show. Just again, we have Bill Krakenberger, the professional sports better, the, the founder of Crack Wins. He's a frequent guest on VEASAN. He's on the Left Go show. And he was the star, one of the stars in the Showtime series. I would say the star, my favorite star on the on the show. Uh, action that um, that Showtime did. And Bill, you know, you talk about growing up at the Jersey Shore, in the Bronx, and you're talking about a lot of different types of gambling. But what about from a sports perspective? Were you a sports fan? 
when, when did you sort of go over from the, the, the regular kind of gambling games to the sports uh, side of sports betting? How did you get there? Excellent question. And let me tell you, I grew up a Mets fan. Everyone in my house growing up all from the Bronx, all growing up Yankee fans. I was always the contrarian guy. I was always, always the guy that wants to root for something else. So it was natural in me to pick that underdog, New York Mets, and they were underdog for years until they won the 86 World Series, at least for me. I know they won the Miracle Mets of 69, but a little bit, I was just being born then. So, um, But everyone in my house rooted for the Yanks. I was a Mets fan, but it was so cool to be able to go to the Yankee games and hop on a, 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 a subway or a bus to go over to Yankee Stadium or go over to even Shea. And uh, yes, I was I was definitely a baseball fan. So still to this, this day, my favorite sport. I get courtside seats at the Lakers when I want to go once in a while. I was in Jerry Buss's box with him a couple times. And it's nice to go to a basketball game or even an NFL game. I was at one or two Eagle games. Um, I never went to a Giants game, even though I was there. I never had no interest in really going to those type of games. Baseball, though, love it. Love it. Love it to this day. Nothing better than going to Petco Park in San Diego, taking a four-hour drive, five-hour drive from Vegas, and, and hanging out there. And and, go, and you know what? It's not a bust-out joint either. You can sit in the first row, get yourself a seat. Right, Literally, last time I was there, I watched the Yankees play for 55 bucks sitting in the first row. I mean, you can't – you go, go to Yankee Stadium, and that costs you 1000 bucks. It's just crazy. So, and, um, so it's cool. It's a nice day out. I love Petco. It's only 75 degrees, 72 degrees. I love baseball. Baseball is my sport that I loved, and I love being a fan. Was never a football fan of any one team, Never, definitely never a basketball fan. So, how? Do, so you know, as a, as a fan of, of the sports side of things, you know, growing up in and around this world of, of gambling and blackjack and all these other games, and, you know, I, I love you talked about bridge and canasta. My, my wife plays all that stuff now. Again, it's very similar to you. Always plays for money, but little money. Um, <laughs> she was, but... Um, but it's but interesting, you know, um, you know, when did you sort of become um, a sports better? How did or how did that happen? Betting sports since I'm literally eight years old. I was literally betting sports. My father always bet sports. His, my uncles always bet sports. So I was betting sports from a very young age. Never any good at it, of course. Uh, even got myself in trouble a couple times as a 15 year old kid. I, I was literally on the lamb for a week. <laughs> but, you know, like, cause, you know, I mean, I, literally, you know, you don't know any better. And, and, you know, I look at it this way, too. I look at it this way. What nerve some of these guys have taken bets from a, I think I was 14, actually, a 14-year-old kid. And got my, I got myself jammed up. I owed $3,000 at 14 years old. Here I'm working and stuff. And I've never talked about that on any show. So uh, that's interesting. Um, I do like to tell people about that, though, and have the dangers and the pitfalls of gambling and, and, and make sure it's done responsibly. But so at a young age... Uh, I was betting sports all the time. I was actually, here's how I didn't know the difference in sports and, and different kind of hold percentages and stuff. I used to take the bus from Kingsburg to Long Branch, New Jersey, from Long Branch to Oceanport to go to Monmouth Park in the summertime because I thought I was, I, you know, I was with my dad at 10 years old. I, I picked an exacta, which to this day, I know the names of the horses, a $2 exacta, Miss Self and Tinsley's Dream. Those two horses returned $400. I said, this is unbelievable. I'm 10 years old, 11 years old. I couldn't believe how much money I won. And I was hooked right from there. So imagine me going to Monmouth Park at whatever, from 10 to 15, 10 to 16 uh, on my own. And, and literally, these places taking bets from a kid. I mean, it, it was so different back then. They, the rules weren't in place like they are now. They took bets from kids. That's what they did. Um, so 
I've been in Atlantic City since I was 16 years old playing blackjack. So it, it just it was different. They weren't as strong as uh, as strong. Uh, they didn't have the, the rules in place like they do now. Um, so I'm betting from a young, or your very young age to go back to your question. Betting sports, and I'm just a loser, an absolute loser. What it took to turn me around probably was my cousin telling me about underdogs and uh, how the public bets favorites and how, uh, you know, you always want to be on the bookmaker's side and, and really kind of him telling me and, and instilling that in my brain. It still didn't, it still didn't set in until that one faithful night. Now I'll jump ahead eight years, seven, eight years. I'm working. By the way, there's probably nobody you're ever going to interview on any show that has worked more jobs than me. I grew up in that very blue-collar family. We didn't have money for college. I probably wanted to go. I remember wanting to go to like a DeVry or something. We didn't have the money for it. It just wasn't there. You know, both my parents worked. My, my father was a finance manager of a car dealership. My mother drove a school bus. My, my mother worked on the weekends on the same boardwalk I did uh, in a lemonade stand. My father worked on the same boardwalk on the weekends. They always worked. They always wanted to have food on the table. Great, hardworking parents. Always, always worked and always said that's not the way to do it. You always have work. You don't, you know, the fast way is not the way to go. You always work. So we always worked on that boardwalk on the weekends. Made a lot of money. By the way, Wayne, let me just tell you something. I remember when I was 17, 18 years old, I was making 200 to $300 a night working on, a, on the boardwalk. I worked at this dart stand where, now this is after, you know, I worked with my cousin in the pizza stand for years, but... That pizza stand showed me interaction with people. I became right out of my shell if I was even in a shell. I had interaction with people. Well, sure enough, I wound up working at one of the other stands because the guy told me he was, he was actually a retired police chief, uh, police chief from Cliffside Park, New Jersey. So Joe Saccone, he had these basket. He had a basketball stand, game of chance. He had a dart stand. He had these other. He had these like games of chance. He said, "Kid, you should come work for me. You're a good talker. You'll be better." So my cousin Anthony said, "Absolutely, go work for him. You'll make more money." So I went there, worked for him, and he said, "Listen, Wait, Bill, was it the darts? Was it the darts with the balloons? Uh, something similar to that, right? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that right now. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm getting. So he had these these three stands, and he said to me, Bill, work in this stand. I'm not gonna pay you per hour. I was like, what? He goes, trust me, you'll make more money. Let me give you 25 percent of whatever you take in. So whatever money I took in, he gave me 25 percent. It's an incentive. So." He had, uh, I worked in the basketball stand at first where you throw the basketball, you know, the baskets in the, in the stand. You, but, I had, but I had some good things I came up with. I came up with the greatest, the greatest gimmick. You take the ball and you just throw it out on the boardwalk to a kid going by. Now, what's the kid have to do? He's got to bring it back to you. I said, no, no, take a shot. Take a shot. Good, take a shot. So I have to make sure he's with his father, though, or something. Someone that's, you know, able to pay. Because <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm giving you, a, it's a dollar for three balls. So uh, I said, pop, pop, pop. Come over here. Let me, let me talk to you. No matter what, I'm going to give your kid a chance to give your kid a toy. No matter what, I'm going to give him something for the dollar. So they shoot, they shoot. And then now you, you go from a dollar to five dollars. And next thing you have, you, you get the saw buck out of him. You're getting 10 bucks out of him. But I'm a little, I was a little too generous. So I would give away so much stuff in the place. Um, that was my first thing. So 25% of there. Yeah, I was, the stand would make 300 bucks, 400 bucks a night. I would make myself $100 in four or five hours. Again, this is 1983. So you remember. So now, uh, the dart stand was the best stand. There was a leader of a country, of a country, Libya, Libya. It might have been Libya. Was it Muammar Gaddafi? Gaddafi, Gaddafi. Okay, Gaddafi, Libya. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not into politics. I don't know who's what. All right, so Gaddafi was a real bad guy, though. At, at that time, he was like the enemy of the United States. So we, now we had these dart boards with Gaddafi's face on it, 
and it used to be called Kill Gaddafi. So you get two darts in his nose, in Gaddafi's nose, you get choice to the stand, you get anything. So Bon Jovi was the hottest upcoming band now in, in, in the mid-80s. And um, Bon Jovi, we have Bon Jovi, front row tickets we have for Bon Jovi. Whoever gets two darts in the middle of the stand gets the Bon Jovi tickets. It was a really hot thing. I, the, the stand made $2,000 that day, and I, now he has me up to 30%. I made $600 in one day. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money now, never mind back in the 80s. So I always made money at that stand, working the games of chance and stuff. Um, but but I was still that idiot that went and blew it at the racetrack, not realizing that they take 25% out of the pool. So for every $100 someone bets, they're only returning 75 to the public. I didn't know that compared to a sports game where it's only four and a half percent. And that's going back to that story about when I was like 22, 23 years old. I'm in Atlantic City. Whew, I got to get a breather. Sorry. One second. <laughs> well, look, it's really great to have you on our show, Bill. I mean, this we have Bill Krakenberger. I mean, professional gambler, you know, again, from crack wins. You could see you could see Bill and listen to him and watch him every week. On Veasan, I mean, I got. We haven't even gotten to some of the great stories you tell. You talk to Gil and the restaurants that you guys go to, and I can't wait. You know, we got to talk about that. And then, you know, on Bleacher Report with Adam Lefko. I don't know how you have time to do all these different shows. I actually did eleven shows in the last three days. Eleven. That's amazing. Post That's amazing. Radio WFAN in New York, which I grew up on. We grew up on listening to the fan. I did him the other night. It's just so cool. Um, yeah. Well, can you believe, can you actually believe that you are not only you know, betting on sports in a le in legally today, right? As well as being asked to come on, you know, the fan, being on, you know, national TV and radio shows talking about betting. I mean, it's, it, it, you almost have to pinch yourself and, and say, is, is this really happening? I pinch myself when I'm on like with, with Mad Dog Russo or something like that on, on Mad Dog Radio or JT the Brick on Nationwide Series Radio or even VEASAN. These guys want me on to talk about things. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, little old Bill Krakenberger, you know, hidden in a closet somewhere betting sports when my parents didn't see. And here I am that now I'm talking about it everywhere. But um, let me continue well, with that, though. I'm in Atlantic City and, and uh, a buddy of mine called me up and said, there is blackjack machines in Atlantic City at the old Golden Nugget in Atlantic City, which then turned into Atlantic City Hilton, uh, Valley's Grant. It's actually closed now, sadly. Mm -hmm. But he said, there's something going on with these blackjack machines. They're paying too much money. And uh, you should go down there and see what's going on. He didn't know because he wasn't an advantage. He just knew something was wrong there. So sure enough, I go down there after work one night. And um, again, where I literally worked three jobs at one time. I go down there at the work. It was like one in the morning. And I um, no, found the bank of machines. I found it because it was one o'clock in the morning on a dead Tuesday in the dead of winter, like February, like, like right now. The only machines that had action were those 12 machines. I still don't know what's going on. I know all 12 machines are taken, though. I go and sit uh, behind the machines until one opens. And sure enough, uh, a gentleman got up on the end. The older guy got up. He probably didn't know what was, what was going on either. And... It's it, it's it really gets me emotional thinking of um, God that God was on my side so much to to put me on on that machine. That machine would change my life. You wouldn't know me today, Wayne, if it wasn't for that machine. I go and sit on that machine, and the guy that was next to me, the guy that was right next to me, six foot six guy, long lanky hands, glasses. You could see he's highly intellectual, highly intelligent. 
I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm putting the bill in. There's no, no, there was no ticket in, ticket out like there is today. It's, it's just coins. Coins come out. That's it. And he says to me in this dark voice, and he says, uh, uh, hi, how are you? And he goes, um, w- would you buy some rolls of dollar tokens off me instead of putting bills in the machine? And I'm like, wow, what is this guy saying this to me for? And he, and then I said, sure. Do you think I should put coins? He goes, yeah, you want to put coins in. So I bought, you know, 40 bucks. He, this guy had coins all over him. He took $40 out, gave me for $40. And he's like, um, you know why I'm telling you that? Because we want to keep coins in the hopper. We don't want the slot attendants to come over and have to hand pay us. So we're trying to keep the hoppers full of coins. So not to alert of what's going on. I still don't know what's going on. So I said, I just said, took a shot. I said, well, can you tell me what's going on? Because I really don't know. I just know that someone told me the machines were good. And sure enough, what happened was on that bank of machines, um, Wayne, you know, blackjack, of course, right? Um, they would, you put, by the way, it was only a dollar or $2 a hand. I think it was $2 is the most you could play. And when you wanted this, this game offered insurance. So if you get dealt 16 versus 10, it's a good bet to take in, or not insurance. I'm sorry. Surrender. It offered surrender. Oh, surrender. So, surrender. So this, this game offered surrender. So if you have 16 versus 10, you would surrender and you get half your money back normally. Not on this machine. You get 100% back. So, wow. so, therefore, you're starting over. If you get dealt 12 versus 9, 12 versus 7, whatever. 12 versus 10, of course. 15 versus 10. Refund. Right. Just hit the, hit, the, hit the surrender. You get your buck back. It doesn't sound like nothing big, right? It sounds like, ah, all right. You get your dollar back. No big deal. I think I made $6,000 that night. I literally had doubled my – I think I had – Maybe I think I brought like 500 bucks with me. Uh, I made $6,000 in 24. I called out of work the next day. I, I stayed up, stayed up like as much as I could. That night they came and closed the machines. It only lasted there. It only lasted three days. I mean, the machines only lasted. But the idea, like this person next to me told me, he said, you want to keep the coins in there. You don't want the dollars coming. But we had to eventually get money uh, out, of, you know, out, of, out of, I mean, listen, everyone was getting money. They knew something was up. So anyway, the guy next to me would change my life. He said to me, do you bet sports at all? I said, yeah, I bet sports. You know, I'm from New York, I bet sports. He goes, okay, well, my family's in you know, a certain area of the state. I think it's next to Philly or something. And he's like, if you bet with a Philadelphia bookmaker and you bet with a New York bookmaker, you'll have two sets of lines. This is, you know, this is, this is like 1990. This is 91-92. So I said, oh, wow, that's interesting. And he said, then there's these places offshore that just started opening up. There was Gary Bowman's in England. There was English sports betting in Jamaica. They were like the first sports books, really. There was like this place called Rich's Sportsbook. There was just that, that was literally like the three biggest sports books back then. No one even knew about them. Don't forget, this is their internet's not even out there yet. So, um, literally, we, we would send money to these places, five hundred bucks. By the way, you send five hundred bucks there, and they get they start you with a thousand, so they double your bankroll already. Both of these places. So. Frank's the one, his name is Frank, and Frank's the one who showed me these advantage gambling and little bonuses you would get, which, by the way, is prevalent. It's, it's unbelievable, the bonuses now in the industry. We'll get to that later, though. But so he, he, he told me about this. He taught me advantage sports betting. Literally, Frank's the one who taught me everything. He was already, um, I can say this now because he's retired, but he was the head of the card count team at resorts. Even though he was working, he was a 
sharp blackjack guy. They made him the head of the card count team. So back then they had defensive mechanisms. They actually had card count teams up in surveillance, not just the surveillance guys. But now, the way it is now, they just teach all the floor people to count also. It's easy. This way the eye in the sky doesn't have to keep, keep track of everything, though they do that also. So Frank was the head of, card, of the card count team over there. He was an advantage gambler his whole life. And uh, he was a very pretty wealthy guy already, believe it or not. And uh, he taught me advantage sports betting and taught me a little everything. Uh, I think I was more of aggressive, though. Frank was a little more laid back and kind of the money was in already. So needless to say, that seat changed my life because Frank and I were partners for the next decade together. That's phenomenal. What what a great story, Bill. Unbelievable. At the at, Was it the Golden Nugget at the time? It was... Um, you know what? It wasn't the nugget. It was the next, whatever it was next. It could have been Bally's Grand, uh, but yeah, whatever it was, wow. I think it was the Grand. The first, the, really the first casino right there on Pacific Avenue in in, in New Jersey, uh, in Atlantic yep. City. Incredible. Well, amazing, amazing story, Bill. And just, you know, just from, from that story, how, how did you, you know, end up um, moving out to, to Las Vegas and really getting into the into the world of sports betting. And then we can, you know, we, you could kind of jump a few years, but also kind of figure out like it's, it's, you know, May of, of 2018 when PASPA gets overturned and, and all of a sudden Nevada is not the only place that could have legalized sports betting and how that changed everything for all of us in, in this industry. Planning your next corporate event or need branding apparel for your business. RushOrderTees.com is Philadelphia's home for custom apparel. Rush Order Tees can handle any order on any deadline. Give them a call today at 1-800-620-1233 or start designing online in their state-of-the-art design studio at RushOrderTees.com. Yeah, you know, I uh, and I will jump around like you said here. So I actually went to Vegas all the time. Me and Frank both, we used to go. Um, don't forget, we had these places now. Australia was really big in the American market. I played with this place, Canterbury Downs. I played with a place called Canbet. I played with um, um, Bowman's. Uh, like, uh, Bowman's was in England. But I played with uh, Victor Chandler. These were all the sports books in, in Australia and England. So I was playing with them, and I was in, uh, you know, went back and forth to Las Vegas from New Jersey because – uh, me and Frank used to middle and scalp games. That's how I really built my bankroll up. And what that means for people that don't know, middling and scalping means you know, you're know you laying four on a game and you're taking six and a half on the other side. You're betting both sides, hoping it lands like four, five, or six. Well, that's what I did in the beginning. Don't forget, there was no internet. So there's no Don Best screen which shows you all your lines. There's no Odds Trader screen which shows you all your, the lines everywhere. We had to do our own homework. We literally had a call on the phone and, and look on the line. I was at the Stardust. I remember I was at the Stardust in, in Las Vegas. Um, I went to Stratosphere in Las Vegas because Stratosphere had a really, they had a good five cent line there for a while, but you're laying 105 instead of 110. And literally back and forth all over Vegas. And this is, this is in the nineties. And, um, and I always wanted to be in Vegas, but I said, you know, I, I have to work a job. I was working. Listen, like I said there earlier, I did, I had jobs you wouldn't believe blue collar jobs. Uh, I, I grew up, I literally, I, I was working as a manager in a car wash. I was working manager of a restaurant. I was working selling mausoleums. I, 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 did, I worked so many jobs. It's unbelievable. Probably about 35, 40 jobs by the time I was 22. Um, wow. So I, I actually went uh, to Vegas back and forth. I said, eventually, one of these days, I will uh, move there. Um, now you want to jump ahead. I'll jump ahead to that 2018. So here we are here, 20 years later, let's call it. 
2018. And now uh, I'm, I'm no longer partners with Frank. Uh, I, I moved to Las Vegas and Frank and I are still dear friends to this day. And I did my own thing, kind of took it to the next level. And uh, I got involved with some of the sharpest syndicate. And when I say syndicate, people think mob syndicate. No, gambling syndicate, sharp guys. I got involved with some of the most sharpest syndicates in the world and developed a name for myself, which I really wasn't trying to do, but you just do it. You walk into a casino, you're betting under your own name. Oh, Krakenberg is here. Just watch where he bets. Lower his bet limits. Move everything he bets. And, um, you know, when it came to that, I, I got thrown out of so many casinos for betting sports legally, just winning. They don't want guys that win. They don't want guys that move lines. So um, places like William Hill, places like Stratosphere Tower threw me out, places like the win. Well, they kind of restricted me. I can still play at the win. They actually took a couple, a couple $2,000 bets on college basketball recently, but I tried to get on the app and they said, no, 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 we don't want you on the app. So, uh, uh stations, casinos, they threw me out. I, I literally they threw me out for, for betting a line that moved two points. They said, we don't want that kind of action here. And they wanted to confiscate my ticket. I mean, just for a line moving two points. So I had like 15 places to bet at one time in Las Vegas, 15. I used to have Cantor gaming. Uh, now William Hill bought them Caesars, William Hill bought Caesars. Now, even before that, downtown, I had Leroy's, Lucky's, Calneva, three different companies. All three companies William Hill took. They bought them all. There's just five. I know there's more even. I literally, right now sitting in 2021, I have five places I can bet, five, in Las Vegas. I have a dozen I can bet in New Jersey. That's right. Sports betting is better for me, or better for, better for anyone with a brain, or, or you know that, that, that bleeds red blood to bet in New Jersey because Vegas just doesn't want that type of action. And, and even some of the biggest sports book, you'd be shocked. They just don't do not want that type of action. So um, going back to 2018, I, I opened up the crack win site, which by the way, Wayne, I am against touts. That's right. I don't consider myself a tout. Uh, you don't see me on any of my platforms, you know, saying, Oh, I, you know, uh, I'm 30 and oh, last 30 games. Come on. It's all BS. It's all BS. It's not what it is. Um, like I said, they, they're all selling uh, dreams, with, and, and no one tells you what they've done long-term. Everyone always wants to tell you what they've done the last week, the last month, the last uh, you know, 10 games. That's not me. It's not what I do. Um, so anyway, go, going back, I opened up Crack Wins uh, because, let's just face it, I, I, if I can't get down my five or $10,000 a game, which it's, it's almost impossible to do, I have to make money somehow, and not only make money somehow, I'm teaching people stuff. My customers love me. I couldn't say that here on this platform if I wasn't winning at a percentage, which I think is unbelievable. This year is stupid. I, I, the college basketball just ran so crazy. Um, I, anyway, I couldn't say that if it wasn't true. They, they would rip me apart on Twitter and stuff. So there's a lot of jealous people. Oh, my God. I have haters. I have guys that, that just hate people that win. They hate people that are successful. That's life, though. When you have them, you know you're doing something right. So, uh Anyway, I developed a, a really good team around me. Uh, my, my guys love that I give out winners, but not only that, they've never been part of anything that moves like this. When I give out something on crack wins, the line's going to move a point, point and a half, two points from where you bet it, and people are like, I've never been part of something like this. So, um, so Bill, on that, on that point, I think it's really interesting. Again, we're really lucky to have Bill Krakenberger on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. And, and Bill, you know, what you're talking about is, you know, being able to help people, educate people about the game of sports betting. 
but you also have a method to your madness, right? I mean, you before you got on the show, you showed me all your different phones and why you have this phone so you can look at, you know, the screen on this phone and talk on this phone and, you know, research things. And, and there, this is this is not something for the, um, you know, this is something that you, you can really learn how to do this in a in the right way um, and also be able to sort of, as you said also earlier, which is always so interesting, is kind of thinking like, and being on the side of the book, right? I mean, so many times it's like, oh my God, I, I want the over, I want the favorite, but that's not a lot of times where you want to be if you want to win money, right? Correct, correct, absolutely. And the reason why I have phones, I, I was saying before, I have to have my regular iPhone where I have my screen where my lines are on. So I have to keep that on constantly and looking at that. So now I want to bet on my apps on my other phone this way I have the live lines and make sure I'm not going to take a bad line. That's I'm a sick person when it comes to that. I, I hate a half a point. I, I, I get upset if I miss the half a point that I want. Those half a points are so crucial uh, to being successful. So, so um, for, for our audience real quick, I mean, just, you know, Don Best is a company that was bought by Scientific Games. What is Don Best? I mean, the, a lot of times I'll describe it as this amazing spreadsheet of all the different lines from all the different books showing you what they what prices they have on the game on all the different games? Is that yes, the best? Don Best is a live line service um, that that you can actually uh, get the, the the lines move instantly at all the casinos and sports books. And this is uh, up to the second. It's a live service. Uh, I use that for um, my my Vegas books. I use that for you always. Have, I always have like Pinnacle and Chris because they're like the they're like the books that control the industry. Pinnacle, Chris, and believe it or not, Las Vegas at the Circa. Those three books control the industry. If they move. Other books will just move based on their move. So I want to know their live line at the time, and, and that service shows me that. If I'm in a jurisdiction like uh, like New Jersey, Atlantic City, I use OddsTrader because OddsTrader has all the New Jersey books, and that's what I need. I need, I need. I need to know which DraftKings is on, what points bets on. I need to know that on there because I have those books at my disposal. So, um, so why I, do you want to know that? Why do you want to know if DraftKings has – you know, a game at two, you know, two and a half, you know, let's say minus two and a half and points bet has minus three. What, what does it mean for you to know that information and know it instantaneously? Well, if I'm, if I'm betting a game, uh, especially around those key numbers, you mentioned two and three, that's the keyest numbers really in college basketball. Uh, those, I want to know if I'm betting on an underdog, I'm getting plus three at maybe a DraftKings and only getting a plus two and a half at a points bet. I want to make sure I know that DraftKings is the book I want to bet at. So I'll actually keep that up, scroll through the lines on Don Best, scroll through the lines on Odds Trader to make sure that I have the right book I'm betting at the, the bet, with the best line. That's the most important thing. People don't realize. That always shocks me, Wayne. When people say they want to be a – even if they don't want to be professional sports better, even if you want just to go to Vegas or something and you only bet at the book you're in, how can you do that? How can you go over to the – let's say you're going to the Mirage. You sit down in the Mirage Sportsbook and you have the Mirage at your disposal right in front of you. How can you not have money across the street at William Hill deposited on your app so you can have it legally? You can pull it right out in the casino now. You, years ago, you couldn't have a phone out in the sportsbook. Um, but now you can have a, a phone out with your apps. Have money in William Hill. Have money in stations. Have money in Circa. Um, though I know people don't have endless bankrolls, but whatever your bankroll is, if you're bringing two grand to Las Vegas, throw 500 bucks in four books. Those half a points mean so much, especially later in the season. Like now, with college basketball, with only six, seven weeks left, let me tell you, it's harder to win than ever right now. Those half points mean everything.
Interesting. Fascinating. Well, kind of kind of changing speeds a little bit. Not not speed, because you, you got the one great speed, Bill. It's amazing always, you know, hearing you on all these different shows. But what's it like now, you know, going on and, and you know, your, you have your weekly guest on, on Gil Alexander, um, on beating the book on VEASAN and you know, talk, talk about that and how, how, you know, to me, watching, whether that's in person when I'm there, seeing you there, or or just watching on TV or listening, you seem to always have a good time. You guys talk about the games, you talk about the strategy, you talk about great restaurants. I love when you guys talk about Piero's in, in Las Vegas. What a what a great place there. Um, but like you having a good time doing all of that? You know, Wayne, it's all about being relatable. I'm that same blue-collar street guy that grew up on Kingsburg, New Jersey, Boardwalk. Okay, maybe I have a few more bucks now. I still drive a Kia. That, that's what I choose to drive. I, I bought a Kia Telluride. I love the truck. I think it's you get great value out of 100,000 miles. I bought that that truck. Listen, I can go out and buy any truck I want tomorrow, any car I want. That's the one I choose. I wouldn't want to be uh, in a Rolls Royce or a, a fancy car. I don't. I just, it's just it's not me. It's not the way I grew up. You know, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't even want to live in the luxury high rise I do. I'm fine living anywhere. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, but. Um, you know, I like the safety of being actually, – actually, I do like the safety of being a high-rise, double security. You have a gated security. You have a guard. You have a front-door front, front door guy. It's nice. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm just – it's good to be relatable. It's good to – you know, not only is it good to be relatable, I say Joe Public. I am Joe Public. I know what they go through. I know what it is. I know what it is to be stuck money, all that money, the bookmakers, Shylocks, all that stuff. I was involved in that when I was a teenager, so I know what it is. So it's good to be relatable. It's good to talk about things that – People want to know in layman's terms, too, not just in analytics and mathematical things. You know, it's funny. I'm not, not saying that that's not an important part of handicapping. I kind of think that's overly talked about and overly done. I think it's overly uh, any kind of like talking about uh, analytics. And I, I know it's of the money ball scenario. I'm trying to be dance through the raindrops here and not talk about it like it's crazy. I, I, I just uh, I think it's overblown. I think it's overblown. I think that street feel that you, that's what you need. I think you have to have that. Um, you know, analytics can show you so much, but I want to know that human element. I want to know what this guy's mental attitude is, it, it, the rain, the weather, putting weather into things. Analytics don't do that. that the analytics doesn't talk about that. Analytics doesn't know that Mahomes went down a month ago of, of maybe a concussion. They just It just knows the number, and that's it. You have to put that street feel in there. You have to put that mathematics in there. So how how do you kind of put that street feel in? How do you get that information? As a, you know, can how, you know? Can you share a little bit of that with with our audience? I mean, like you know, you, a lot of people they, you have all these apps out there today and different websites to be able to analyze things. But how do you kind of get that? You know, that edge. You know, is it is it talking with people or how, how do you do that? Well, I have a team of guys. It's not just me. So I have a team of guys. I have a guy that just scours the internet. And when I say scours the internet scour social media and you know looking through uh not not only uh, just like twitter but also looking through their personal feeds maybe on facebook or instagram and listen you'll pick up a nugget or two but sometimes the players like to talk but not just players not just coaches maybe trainers and stuff it's always good finding out uh who's what who's on who's doing what and how they're feeling too so i have a guy that just reads it's all he does is read stuff and uh, come up with his opinion on every game. When, when Will, 
We'll take things from an analytics standpoint and we'll blend that in with his reading, with the lines. There's more. There's so many skill sets you need to be an advantage gambler and a positive gambler. So talking about, you know, your experiences, I mean, you must have met in this world of sports betting, there's there's so many characters, right? Whether it's a, a, a Jimmy Vaccaro at the South Point, whether it's a Johnny Avello who's now at DraftKings, whether it's you know Chrissy Andrews who's at, at at also at South Point, or you know the guy you mentioned, you know Derek Stevens and his crew down at Circa, you know like who are some of the the characters over the years that that you've got an opportunity to uh, you know just just get to know and and you know about being in these, I mean, just being in the sports book with them, being in the casino and being around Vegas. Who are some of the, the really colorful characters that, that you, that you, Boy, there are, there are colorful characters. There really are. There was a guy, uh, there was a, just when I was, I was going to Vegas on a regular basis in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, there was a guy downtown, Sam, that used to sell watches, just like you'd see in his jacket. He used to sell the watches, but Tim poster who owned the golden nugget, who was a friend of mine, he, let him come into the casino. This guy used to have a jewelry shop years ago, a real jewelry shop. So this guy was a colorful character around town in Las Vegas. Meeting him and knowing him and seeing him, he used to always come in. He's an old, he's an old Jewish guy. He's like 90 years old, but he, he died like 90. He used to say, hello, Mr. Crackman. Uh, I have a nice watch for you today. I mean, just the way his voice was. I miss Sam so much. I just talked about him the other day. Um, so, so having him... Uh, in my life back then, and you, I, I got to know him really well. Um, there was an older guy too; he passed away too. Proctor, Proctor, um, he was—you know—he he died. But I, I always hung around with older people. By the way, I never hung around with almost anyone younger than me. It was all older guys I hung around, older knock around guys that taught me the street, that showed me different ways. So Proctor was a bookmaker who uh, who lived on the east side of town, right by the Las Vegas Country Club, and. I would go over his house every Friday night for dinner. He had his own chef that would come in and, and cook us dinner and unbelievable dinners. He was a professional chef. So Proctor, though, he always used to tell me, like, I don't know, he would wear these thick glasses. And, and Proctor, actually, up until the day he died, used to smoke a joint here and there. Even though I never did it. I, I don't even know how to inhale. But Proctor used to smoke a little joint there. And he used to tell me the, the old stories. He, he goes, hey, Mr. Crackman, see that door right there? Billy Walters was at that door a hundred times to pay and collect. You know, he would, he would, and then in his backyard, he had a nice little backyard. And, and there was a guy named Billy Scott who owned WWTS worldwide telesports in Antigua. His number one right hand guy, right hand guy was named Roger. Roger was a sharp old fashioned bookmaker that joined this place in Antigua. One of the first sports books too, in the nineties. Well, Proctor was really good friends with him. So, I knew of, uh, talked to Roger on the phone years previous, and he, he's telling me, Pro, he, Proctor's telling me that Billy, uh, um, that, that he's in the backyard buried, this, this guy. And I'm like, what do you mean he's buried in the backyard? He said, no, I was good friends with Roger, and he always just, he loved my house, loved coming over for a good time, and he took the ashes and put them in the backyard. I was like, you got to be, what a small business this is. So that's another guy I've never talked about. And he, he passed away. But in these sports books and casinos, you get a lot of characters. But anyone out there, just to let you know, everyone is, is I always say everyone's on the F. I hate cursing, so I'm not going to curse. But everyone's on the F. Just be careful. They're all looking to scam you and steal your money. There's a lot of characters in those books. And if you see those same guys every day, you know, once in a while you throw them a five or a ten or a salt buck or something. But never get involved with giving them more money than that because I should know better. I'm, I'm owed six figures out there by 
uh, people by making uh, bad deals and trying to help people. And it's my nature. My father was like that. I can't help it. I can't help who I am. Well, it's, it's, it's again, it's, it's really great to have you, Bill, on our show. And as we start to kind of come to the end of our show, I, I have a couple things I, I'd love to continue to ask you. I mean, like, tell me how it all came together with Showtime and that show and, and this, the, the docuseries action. You know, I, I, I think it was, I just thought it was such great timing uh, when it came out. And, and I think it was, it was really good to kind of give a little bit of a taste Certainly, it can only give you a taste in the in the four hour you know docu series of of what it was like. But I always recommend pe to people to just watch it to just get a feel for what's going on if you really don't understand the industry. So, how did you get involved in that? Well, let me tell you, I got to hand it to Gil Alexander doing the Vison every Thursday with him. He recommended me to Dave Check, who was the producer. Actually, he was the uh, showrunner, the guy that was in charge of the show. And he said you should. They were asking for looking for a professional gambler. He recommended me. I went and did an interview with them, with them guys. And basically, I was going to say, guys, I, this is not going to be a BS act, though. You want to follow me around with your cameras and stuff. You can follow me around, as you see on the show. I just kind of acted like I act now. I was just normal. I wasn't going to um, do anything different. I, I did some sports betting in the casino. Like when I went down to the South Point, I could have bet that on my app, but I bet it in person because they wanted that to see that on a, on a camera. So I basically just let them follow me around to what I do. And the reason why I love the show, too, they actually let me and my they wanted to bring my wife into the show and see what we do on the weekends. or well, Actually, the weekends I'm always working. So the weekdays, every Monday night I would go down and, and I would go see my buddy Cookie Jar at the lounge, the last of the lounge singers. And I and they filmed the whole thing there, and I absolutely loved that. They yeah. would follow me around and just uh, follow me doing my thing. I got really lucky though that um, I was able to be on such such a big successful show. I get more compliments from that than, than almost anything. People recognize me for it. It's unbelievable. I think when I think someone wants to come and take a picture with me, I I, I kind of tell them, man, there's it's like you know that I'm just a sports better. There's there's doctors and people that are changing the world for the better, and uh, you know. It, it, it's kind of humbling, though. Like, wow, people, you know, want to want to want to hang out with me for a minute. And I just, everyone wants a winner too, Wayne. Everyone, can you give me something? I hate giving out one play to somebody, but uh, I, I try to help everyone I can. It, it was really a pleasure to be on that show. And and um, you know, on the show, you you've seen all four episodes. I didn't do any self promoting. I wasn't on my Instagram or my Twitter. Or I didn't talk about crack wins. And you know, it just was just was me. Well, it, it, it was it was very authentic. And then people know where to find you, obviously, at Bill Crack. And you got you got to you got to follow Bill. Um, but I mean, and, and I'll tell you something, you know, also, what has it been like working with, you know, you, talk, you always hang out with old guys, right? Well, what about Lefko? I mean, Adam's not a, he's a young guy. He's one of the up and comers in, in the in the industry and what he's doing at at Bleacher Report and on TNT now. I mean, wow, it's amazing to see, you know, what he's been able to. And he's a Philly guy like us. So we have. We, we, we like him a lot. Um, what's what's it like doing his show? I love doing his show. I, I, I love Adam. I'm, I'm, he's my dear friend. Uh, we'll talk off screen, uh, off off air. And uh, it's just, I'm so glad his career has taken off. And look at him. He's on there with, with Charles and Shaq and stuff on Thursdays. Dwayne Wade, he has taken off his career. And I'm so happy for him. And I'm so happy he, does, you know, he doesn't forget where he came from. That's like me. I just You can't forget where you came from. You have to, you know, ne never get, I never get that, that kind of, uh, I don't like to hang around people like that, that show off bricks of money and stuff. That's not me. I mean, I could do it. It's not me. I may show off some tickets, I bet. You know, the other day I, I did a show uh, from the Meadowlands, New Jersey, 
um, and, and on MSG Network in New York, and they were like, how much money did you bet? They tell me you cracked, you bet him. I'm not going to go in and say how much money I bet. Listen, yes, of course I bet more than six figures on the Super Bowl. It's prop time. Of course I did. But it's just not me. And and, and I loved hearing uh, when, when he got this, this 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 great gig he got on TNT. And I love him. He's just a great guy. Up, always full of energy, like me. Uh, gets up for shows. Uh, it, it really was cool. I, I, I love the guy. And I'm, I'm sad football season's over because, you know, I go on once a week with him. And, and we're not going to do that no more until next football season. I can't wait for September to roll around again. I know. I've, I've, I've never wanted football to come back more than being so involved in the overall sports betting industry because it just – but now, look, we're in the middle of college basketball season. March Madness is coming around. That's going to be exciting. But I'd love to get your take, Bill. I mean, look, as a professional sports better, you know, with, you know, the guy who runs Crack Wins and founded that and, and someone that a lot of people – Love hearing your advice and your opinions on what things happening, but where do you see the overall industry going over the next, say, five, ten years? I mean, who, first of all, before I even ask you, I mean, like, who would, would believed that we're sitting here in 2021 with 25 states that have legalized sports betting, plus DC, plus Puerto Rico, and and more coming? Like, it, it's crazy where we are. Where do you think it's going to be in the next couple of years? Oh yeah, no, we're eventually going to have a wide, 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 you know, all, across the whole country. It's going to be literally. I was going to say wide world, world. The world was ahead of us. Right. Uh, these, these Euro companies were already booking sports. Uh, we're going to have sports betting in every state and eventually here. And um, I just hope this, this is going to maybe surprise you, Wayne. I actually hope it's being done responsibly. You have to understand. I grew up in New Jersey when I was a kid. We had drinking, we had drugs, we had girls, we had uh, lottery, we had casinos, we had racetracks. I mean, there were so many vices. It's really, it's hard to get out of that trap of living in a place like New Jersey. Now you want to throw sports betting in the mix? You want to throw something like, you know, these kids grew up on, uh, on you know, Kobe Bryant and Shaq and now LeBron. And, you know, this, this, these kids are saying, oh, I can do this. This is easy. I can, I love betting sports. It's on ESPN, the Bad Beat Show with Van Pelton. Oh, my God, this is, I, I love to bet sports. Well, it's got to be done responsibly. And what I mean by that is there has to be that element of it. And these states should take – these other states, these other jurisdictions should take notice what New Jersey has done. New Jersey is a little bit stricter than anywhere else in the nation. Even myself, I go over to DraftKings to deposit money, and they gave me a hard time uh, uh, depositing money. They said, oh, well, just know your – it's a know-your-customer law here. They, if, if someone's depositing so much, you have to put um, – it's unbelievable what happened to me. I haven't talked about this to anyone. So they had, they wanted me to show my bank account. I deposited a good amount of money uh, for Super Bowl. They would not take it the first night. They only, they only took $15,000 the first night. And I had to come back a day later after showing my bank account and showing my – they actually asked for my taxes. Imagine that. That's how much they don't want you overbetting your bankroll. So um, I was able to deposit the rest on the next day. Uh, two days later, I took two days. That is unbelievable. You think sports books and try that in Vegas. Bring it all on. Come on. Bring all the money you got. So I hope the other states learn from New Jersey and it's done more responsibly uh, by that know your customer law and kids aren't gambling like they should. Listen, of course, it, it's real easy to gamble if you're a kid. I understand that. You know, I was I was betting when I was 15 years old, I'm literally 16 years old in, in Atlantic City myself. So I hope it's done responsibly. I see this thing spiraling out of control, though. And being popular everywhere, you got a place like Twitter where people don't use their real names, they don't use their real backgrounds, you don't know who they are, but they're all selling games. Listen, I'm Bill Krakenberger, and I post as Bill Krakenberger. That's all I can tell you. 
Yeah, well, that that's so important. It's something that we really care a lot about as well at Seventy Six Capital. That things are done right, uh, as you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, our we're investors in U.S. integrity with Matt Holt, who's also a, a host on Veasan, and we really want to make sure that everything's on the on the up and up. People are doing things things the right way, and are are doing things responsibly as well as you know. Look, you can have fun as well, and you know, and as you said, you have to know what your bankroll is. You have to know that you you're not you're not going to you know basically bankrupt yourself because over some game or a number of games but you get to if you do it right it can be a lot of fun and as you've, you've been able to make it a, a profession and and that's really incredible and it's been awesome having you you know on our show and I, I just I think about you know all, all the things that you know you know I love all your stories and all the things you've done is, is, is so far is there sort of a moment that you can as we start to really wrap up here is there a moment in your career that you're most proud of, whether it's in your career or in your life that, that you, you could, could share again with our viewers around, you know, like that's just something that makes you super proud and believe that you're actually doing good for, for many others as well. You know, the moment came when I was able to take care of my parents, when I was able to, um, you know, do some things for them. And, uh, my dad was a big Elvis fan, and uh, he never went to an Elvis concert. He had tickets in 1977 to go when Elvis died. He had tickets for him and my mom uh, to go to New York and see him, and uh, they didn't get to go to see him. So he was a giant Elvis fan. I was so happy I got to fly him down first class to to uh, to, to Memphis and 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 take him over to Graceland, and and um, that was I know it doesn't sound like much to most people. Big deal. You're going to Memphis, going to Graceland. But it was something that um, I'll always remember that I was able to, do, to have get my parents a trip like that. And, and, and uh, I had no idea Elvis was buried in the backyard there and uh, in the meditational gardens there. And I became a giant Elvis fan. So this day, I'm a giant. I can't get enough Elvis. I watch everything Elvis. Uh, you know, everything. My whole life is based on YouTube, Elvis and Sinatra. I watch everything on both of them. You know, my mother's family always having Sinatra, Dean Martin in the background. My father always having Elvis. My father was a country boy. It's amazing how my father met, met my mother. Um, you know, uh, like I always say, she's right out of central. She was right out of central casting. Italian from the Bronx, real tough, talk with her hands like me. Um, and, 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 you know, my father being that country boy uh, growing up, um, you know, and, and thank God he was in the Navy and got to meet my mom in, in New Jersey. But uh, I, I really have to tell you, though, when I took care of my parents, that, that trip there and something I never talk about, um, getting them some things for their house, um, being able to like um, they, they, they wanted a deck on their house, a simple deck. I mean, it's eight grand or 10 grand. I bought them a deck. I get them a generator. So in case the power, the, the power went out once, my mother was freaked out. I said, mom, I'll put the generator. Don't worry. I put a generator outside for it. Bought a generator, bought a deck for them. I bought them a screen, a cover for the, an awning for the deck, just buying them things that let's just face it. They wouldn't be able to get, they'd have to go and, and, and maybe finance. And when I found out that I was just upset. I was like, mom, what do you mean that you, she says, well, I have this bill and that bill. I said, mom, how much do you owe on your car? She, I never forget 13 grand. It's okay. I'm giving you a check for 13,000. I'm paying your car off. She's like, no, 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 don't do that. I want you to make sure you have money. No one I was able to do those kind of things. It, it, it almost brings a tear to my eye because I was so happy. I got to give back to my parents who worked so hard for me and my brother. I was so happy. I, I was able to do those things. That's kind of when I, uh, 
kind of know I, I kind of made it in, in, in life in sports betting and I could make this a living. My parents were so scared. They were so scared when their son was involved in sports betting and are you doing it legally? And, you know, I said, mom, I pay taxes on sports betting. I pay taxes on gambling every year. So um, just to know, uh, and they're, they both passed now. So just to know that they, 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 uh, they got to see some of that before they passed and got to, I got to take care of them a little bit. My grandfather, my grandfather, old-fashioned Hungarian grandfather, he got me a job at UPS when I was a kid. He was so upset that I quit, you know? And I always want to say, Grandpa, I hope you know that I, I could never make as much money at UPS, which was a great job, by the way, back then. UPS, unbelievable job back then in the you know, late 80s, early 90s. But I could never make as much as I made in sports betting in, in, in five careers at the UPS. So I hope he knows too. Knock on wood. Well, this is this has been amazing, Bill. Thank you so much. I mean, those are such great stories. It's why I was so excited to have you on our Seventy Six Capital Leadership Series. Bill's a good guy and a professional sports better. I mean, how many times do you even you really hear that? He's the owner of Crack Wins. He's he'll see him on Veasan. You see him on Bleacher Report. Of course, you got to watch that Showtime series where he's one of the stars of that, and just someone that. You know, I just really enjoy watching and listening to, and 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 you put a smile on my face, Bill. And I think I know that you do that to a lot of other people because of just the way who you are, what you're all about. And I wish you the best of luck and and stay safe out there when it, with everything's going on. And good luck with the rest of the college basketball season. And again, just thank you so much for joining our show. Thank you very thank much. You very it's much. it's, uh, it's uh, been an honor and my pleasure. And I want to tell you something else, Wayne. I'm I'm about to text my agent and my lawyer. Um, who, who, you know, I have to tell them the truth about what just happened here. You got more out of me than almost anybody. And this is one of the best, literally an hour that I've ever done on any media that I could think of just talking about these things. It makes me so happy that I'm able to talk about that for a whole hour. And I know I've taken up, you know, 95% of the show. You only get to talk 5% of the time. So, but anyway, it was it's my pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, Bill, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And again, it's been a great edition of our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Thank you to Bill Krakenberger for being our guest. In Philadelphia, reputation is key. No one knows that better than RushOrderTees.com. RushOrderTees has proudly printed high-quality custom apparel in Philly since they started in 2002. They take printing as seriously as their love for Philly sports, cheesesteaks, and that statue outside the art museum. No matter the order size or deadline, RushOrderTees has you covered. Start your design today online or give them a call at 1-800-620-1233. RushOrderTees.com, Philadelphia's home for custom apparel.